The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Laura DeVoe, one of your co-hosts for the Twin XL Pod. We are excited for season two, and we are really excited about this particular episode. I think it's a great kickoff episode. I did want to bring your attention to one thing, and I'm going to throw it over to my co-host, Beth Petro. It's important to note that in this one segment of the show, we talked about mandating of vaccines and if it would be mandatory or not. And Beth, how'd you do on that one? Poorly. When we recorded back in March, we had a conversation about COVID vaccines and whether they'd be required for students this coming fall by colleges. And we felt pretty confident back in March that they probably wouldn't be because that would be unusual. But turns out we were wrong on that one. So you're going to hear us talk about it and say that we don't think it's likely. But in the time since our recording, several colleges have decided to announce that they're going to require COVID vaccines for students. And we will add to the show notes a link from the Chronicle of Higher Education that shows an uh, ongoing list of which campuses are requiring COVID vaccine for this fall. So be sure to check that out. Absolutely. And the fact that Beth blew that one is not because Beth doesn't know what she's talking about. The fact of the matter is Beth is aware that schools are so phobic about getting sued that no one wants to jump on the grenade and make that decision. And now schools have, and that's important to know. It's not necessarily that it wasn't going to happen. It's which lawsuit you want. Do you want the lawsuit? Yeah. Wise people have always said, which is the lawsuit you want? Do you want the lawsuit that says you did the right thing and it inconvenienced people and pissed them off? Or do you want the lawsuit that says, I didn't want the lawsuit? And it is the right thing. It is the right thing. Um, I think we're all in agreement. It's the right. Yes. I, I've, it's 10 years of living with an attorney that made me go. Well, that's your problem. And before we get into the little jingle jangle jingle and intro we do want to say one more thing vaccines are cool and the more you get vaccinated the more school will be cool so see you on the other side of the intro <laughs> if your student is going to live on campus they will need twin extra long sheets the first thing people get wrong the first thing people get freaked out about the majority of students who enroll in college don't graduate in four years is my kid going to make friends? Are they going to fit in? Are they going to find their people at college? Are they going to fail a class? Between Beth and I, we have worked in higher education for 50 years. We really think that there's some opportunity for some great dialogue. From Pod 617 Productions, it's Twin XL, the podcast for parenting through the college years. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Laura DeVoe and Beth Grampetro. Welcome back. It's season two. <laughs> Come on, Dave. There we go. That's what I was waiting on. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, it's, Producer excited. it's March again. And <laughs> if everyone knows what movie I'm referencing, yes, good for you. It was Groundhog Day. Phil. Anyway. Yes. It Phil it's March again. But it is March again. And it is weird to think about what was happening at this time last year. And I have been kind of waffling between like, do I want to think about it? <laughs> Or not, because I think everyone's going to have a lot of different feelings about whether this is a year worth commemorating in some way. Yeah, but we are back and that is worth commemorating for sure. I will say the best thing I did to prepare for the pandemic was I, I stripped all the color out of my hair 
and this is my natural hair color and i think that's about right so that was the only good thing is that really your natural hair color yeah i I think it's fantastic it looks almost punk rock it it is very very, for those since it is this is a audio genre Mm. (laughs) and you don't get to see my hair is very whitish blondish and anyone who's known me and if you look at the photo of us on our pod617.com slash twin xl website you will see a dark haired laura devoe and this is not what is currently the situation so well the smartest thing that i did was get an air fryer so <laughs> it's not maybe not quite as good i mean it's a different category no a whole different I'm, category of preparation i'm jealous of the air fryer so but the, so the reheating pizza situation in our house has been very good all year it's one of the good <laughs> one of the good situations yeah. There you go. So, so there's some that. things, you know, I, there's some things that I think we're all going to take from this experience. And like, I am very excited to get a vaccine so I can go sit in a bar, drink and look at people who I don't know <laughs> and toast them and mock them in my mind all at the same time. Like that is absolutely what I'm looking forward to doing. And I mean that in the nicest way, like I don't <laughs> want to, I'm done cooking I am done cooking. I am done <laughs> cooking. Like I am done cooking. All right. That's where I'm at. When you start yeah. to call your DoorDash provider by his first name, you know no, that you're I, in trouble. <laughs> We've actually been good about that. I mean, we'll do takeout, but we'll pick it up once a week to support a local restaurant. But I my husband is cheap as the day is long, as I have talked about on this podcast many times, and he is Hi, never going to pay, pay the upcharge of a DoorDash situation. <laughs> that is never going to happen. Yeah. The supporting well, the local business thing is great. I just, I believe in that, which is why I've been supporting the local Taco Bell, which is the only place. That, <laughs> I, I thought that was important. That was important. See, Before we get further into what has happened since we last spoke to you, which was last May. So it has been quite a while. Just want to remind folks that if you have been enjoying the show during our hiatus or before, please take a moment to rate and review us in your podcast app. That is helpful to us. And also we love to hear from y'all and get feedback about how we're doing. And if anyone out there is interested in financially supporting us, which we would love, you can go to our website, which is pod617.com slash twinxl for information on becoming a sponsor, but you can also just listen to us. That's fine too. We know that now is, you know, a tough time for a lot of people. So what we're email, here what, for you either way. What email, <laughs> what email address should they use, Beth? We can be reached at twinxlpod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you on that or any questions you might have too. This is our first time back. We are excited. Dave actually sent his son to college this year. So he's had to navigate the pandemic from home with his son at university, as they say. And in other countries and in other countries, (laughs) I'm perfectly fine with. And we wanted to, you know, touch base with all of you to know that We know that not everyone's experience this year has been optimal in any sense of the word, okay? And that goes for our folks who went off to college. We know that according to the Chronicle of Higher Education, the this spring semester for about 3,000 colleges in the United States, fully online is only 3%, fully in-person is only 2%, and primarily in-person is at 16%, hybrid 9%, primarily online. This is where I don't understand. 
primarily online is 40% undetermined. Like what the hell? We'll get to that in a second. But public schools are somewhat more likely to be primarily online. So yeah. what do we think undetermined means, Beth? I think that's just, so this was from a, a survey the Chronicle did, or rather the Chronicle had their uh, space on their website back in the fall as well, or the summer before the fall semester. And then before yeah. this semester to say to representatives from different colleges, like, Hey, what are your plans for the coming semester? If you want to sort of like share your plan, fill out this survey. Right. And so I think all that means is that, you know, at, at whatever point they collected the information in January, there were about, a, about a quarter of the responding institutions didn't know what their mm-hmm. plan was going to be, which I think is not a surprise to me because I think as someone who at my own job is part of that planning, it can change really quickly. It can change because of things that are happening outside of the institution and outside of the campus that you can't really control. And we know that pretty much across the U.S. at least, the immediate, like January, immediately post New Year period was not a good one in terms of where the positivity rates and case rates were across the country. They were real, like that was a huge surge. But speaking of surges, what's coming up? Spring break. Spring break is coming up, but not every school is having a spring break. There are many institutions for the spring that have chosen to forgo spring break and end the semester a week early. Some campuses are giving like a couple days off here and there to give students a break, but not a long enough one that anyone could travel anywhere. There are still going to be schools that probably are observing the week off and students may travel, but I think it's going to vary based on what the individual campuses are doing. I think what you're going to see, and I I agree with what Beth is saying. I think when you look at your institutions and what you're, you you know what your kid's been doing, you know what the institution's been doing. You know, I know some schools down in, in the South and in that area have been running basically quote unquote normal. The only thing that's probably changed at all was their football schedule and whether or not football happened or if students were allowed into games, et cetera. I think if you look at schools like in Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, they're going to have spring break. And what you may find is your student may say, you know, I want to meet up with my buddies who I went to high school with. They're having a spring break. I can do online, mom. I can do my online. I can do my virtual school down in Florida visiting my bud. And so you got to be ready for that conversation. Some parents are going to give them the, hey, help, get, get ahead, get the hell out of the house. I'm done looking at you. Or they may say, nope, you know what? I, it's bad enough that we're paying for Zoom University. You're going to take your classes and you're going to do it in the right way. But that's a conversation you may end up having. But I think there's also going to be, I'm actually making the prediction that opening up and having people go to Florida, Texas, Louisiana, some of these coastline states down south along the Gulf Coast, we're going to end up with some super spreaders that go back up into the college towns because people are going to go down, they're going to hang out, and then they're going to bring it back. But That's me being me. I'm not an epidemiologist. I am not Dr. Fauci and I am not a health health educator like my colleague, but I am somebody who's just overly paranoid. (laughs) I need to just provide a quick update regarding my epidemiology expertise. Over the weekend, I was cleaning out um, some old files and I found my transcripts from college and grad school. Okay. And I got to be in epidemiology both times. I can't so even like, spell epidemiology. It's not so an A, <laughs> but it's better than average. So I think you can all trust me. Anyway, I am also not an epidemiologist. Yeah, so it's true. It's 
very different based on the campus. It's very different based on the region. And I think we've seen that generally with what precautions have been taken off campus as well, which states it's a state by state response and it has been very varied. And it leads us into these situations where people are feeling paranoid or feeling tired or feeling all kinds of feelings about what should be done. It's, I don't think any of us is immune, especially because of social media from kind of looking at what other people are doing, making judgments, feeling a certain kind of way about if that person should be traveling or if that person should be going this place or that place. And it's exhausting. You notice that everybody before they do anything qualifies it, right? We were safe. Yeah. <laughs> right. We were safe. This was, we did this, or I had to travel to this high risk state because of this emergency. Mm-hmm. Look at me. I have wrapped myself in saran wrap and I am as safe as I can possibly be. And it's, it's very interesting to me. And then there's also interesting to me that there's friends of mine who've been on social media for a very long time, who've completely taken themselves off. And therefore I am absolutely making the assumption that they are having orgies with people they don't know in large environments. And we are having super spreader events in their basement, but you know, who the hell knows, you know, our whole way of looking at things has been modified since last year and it continues to be modified each and every week. Yesterday, when at the time that we're recording this, the CDC announced that if you are vaccinated, you will be able to be in environments where you're indoors with other people who are vaccinated without masks on. And I'm literally like doing back handsprings and thinking about who am I going to invite over and what is my invitation going to look like when the invitations go out, you know? And I'm wondering about vaccines, Beth, and what vaccines may look like, because that has an, a real implication on what student life is going to look like in the fall. And sure. then- if yes. you have everybody vaccinated, what is that going to look like? And I know you can't speak for your institution or for the institution of higher education in general, but <laughs> you know, what are your thoughts on vaccination? And then I'm going to give you my kind of former vice president for student affairs hat if I was sitting at the executive table and what I would be saying. Cool. I definitely want to talk about this. I want to back up for one second and preface with the vaccine conversation with a little bit of a reflection on what this year has been like for students who have been on campus and for those who haven't gone to campus necessarily. So a lot of the schools that have been able to have an on-campus presence and some of those they've been able to have students live on campus, but have still done the classes largely remotely. Some have had in-person classes, some kind of a hybrid of both. But a lot of that isn't typical campus life. The students are wearing masks on campus. They are not supposed to be gathering in large groups. They might be assigned to small groups that they're allowed to gather in. They are probably being tested for COVID regularly on a lot of campuses, at least. I don't think all are doing that. So it's a pretty different life than what those who had been there before would be used to. And for those that are first-year students, this is a pretty bananas way to be introduced to college life. Right. And then there were those that didn't go to campus for various reasons. They might be living at home. They might be taking care of family members who got sick. They might be, you know, picking up extra work if family members have been laid off. So there's a lot of different experiences that students have had this year that have been atypical, you know, and have really brought, I think the entire pandemic has brought a lot more attention to 
many of the inequities in our society, obviously, the way that the pandemic has impacted black and brown communities, indigenous communities, you know, all kinds of different minoritized populations much worse Mm -hmm. than others. And that plays out on our campuses too. It plays out, you know, in terms of who's able to even be there and who's not. Well, I've been thinking about what would happen when I was at Mount Ida, which Mount Ida College was a small college in Newton, Massachusetts. It closed in the spring of 2018. But our student population at the time was a 45% students of color and 45%, 40, somewhere in the same neighborhood, Pell eligible. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about if we were still functioning as a school now, first of all, I don't think we would have survived it. But second of all, I think that one of the things that would have come up pretty often was from students who maybe at home, they didn't have high speed internet. They didn't have access to the things that you would have on campus. We would have to be making some real decisions and about what does it look like on campus? Who could be here? Who couldn't be here? And you can't just say, well, certain majors. Yeah. Certain majors is an easy way to differentiate. If you are in a major that you need to be in a laboratory, you can't really replicate that at home. Yes, I get it. But I actually was even thinking about this. If I was a vice president for student affairs right now and I was working on a campus, one of the things I might be looking at is if I'm going to bring people to campus and we're trying to keep it low numbers, I might be saying, what about our students who are Pell eligible and they need a place to that's a safe place where they mm-hmm. can study and we can able to, I mean, here's the other thing. The schools also have to an extent their work study budgets and things like that and work study positions for students. So now you have an opportunity to bring these students back to campus, let them work and have some some functionality in terms of the day-to-day operation, keeping the school alive, right? So there's a lot that could have happened in some institutions, people listening to this say, oh yeah, my kid couldn't be there. They were told not to. There's a lot of inner mm-hmm. workings behind the scenes as to why people were told they could or could, or could not come back. And it's based on a lot of things that are, It might be about local regulations. It might be about what kind of housing is available on campus and how the campus could de-densify housing and and all the different things they had to consider. I think what we're going to see with vaccines being a part of the picture now is, and I think we're already starting to see many campuses are talking about planning for an in-person fall. Yeah. But Everyone's doing so with the caveat of that that could change. And that I think is smart because it could. One of the tricky parts of this is that, so we have now three different vaccines that have been approved for emergency use by the FDA. They've all proven to be quite effective. I'm not going to get into their differing efficacy and why and all of that, those things here, because that's a different show. There's a lot of really awesome podcasts out there that are talking Mm -hmm. about that. And those are real epidemiologists. And like scientists who are smarter than me about this. In fact, there's one from The Economist called The Jab that is literally just about COVID vaccines if you want a good one. But because these are approved for emergency use by the FDA, they, they are probably not likely to be mandated right now. So what campuses can do is strongly encourage people to get vaccinated. I think a decent number of people want to for their own life. Like Laura was mentioning, you know, the CDC came out yesterday or the day before we're recording this and said, these are kind of the things you can do if you're vaccinated. I think that's really good. I was, I have been feeling throughout this entire pandemic, like we've been doing a lot of really black and white messaging and not really thinking in a harm reduction sort of way and saying, hey, the gold standard is to do X. If you can't do that, 
here are some ways to do other things a little bit more safely, which is what we do with a lot of topics in health promotion. We do that with alcohol. We do it with sex. And I've seen a lot of good stuff. If you want some good reading on this topic, Julia Marcus from, I believe she's with the Harvard School of Public Health, has done a lot of writing about how the communication about harm reduction in this pandemic has been abysmal. Yeah. And she points out that with the vaccines, she's like, people take birth control so they can have sex and not get pregnant or get diseases. Yeah. That's why they're going to get vaccinated. They want to go do stuff. Right. <laughs> so I think the way this is going to affect the fall is that some things can be closer to normal, but not everything will be. Right. And a good right. way to think of this, and this is something else that's been out there. I did not make this up, but a good way to think about how we are going to return to normal or adjust to a new normal is that this is like a dimmer switch, not yep. an old school on and off light switch. So you may be a person who is already in your locale eligible for vaccination. So you might be fully vaccinated. If so, I'm jealous of you. Good job. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So maybe you and a friend are both fully vaccinated. You can hang out together. Maybe you want to hang out with a friend who's not. You should be more careful around that and make sure your unvaccinated friend knows there's still a risk. Right. Should you go to a bar right now? No please don't do that. Right. Right. Or like if someone invites you to a big party or a wedding or something else like that, politely decline, like mm -hmm. big gatherings are still not where it's at for quite a few months by right. the fall. We may be in a different place with those things, but right. I think we're going to see a lot of institutions being very careful about their language and careful about mm -hmm. what they say in terms of what the fall will look like. I also think we're still going to see some risk mitigation being expected on campuses in the fall, we might still see masks required or encouraged in public spaces, in mm -hmm. public indoor spaces, especially in cities. We may see the recommendation that during flu season, you wear one on public transit. Yep. Because frankly, that's been a standard in other countries for a while, and it does yep. control the spread of respiratory I, viruses. I will say about the mask wearing, I realize that, you know, my, my day-to-day -day travel around limit is limited. I literally go to like three standing appointments a week and they're all medical, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but I wear a mask. Obviously we have to wear a mask everywhere. And a, a good friend of mine, she works in a, a front facing kind of business. It's not medical. It's not at a con congregate setting or in higher education, but she has to be in person. And she's like, you know what? The usually in the fall, I get two to three really knock me over bouts of a cold or flu. And she's like, I haven't been sick at all this year. I said, you're mm -hmm. going to have to, she said, you're going to have to rip this mask off my head. <laughs> like, I am telling you, I am going to wear this every year, especially in the fall when that's where I would always get sick because of the, I have to deal with the public all day, every day. But getting back to your point, Beth, the schools are going to have certain mitigation rules. They're going to have certain things. They already, uh, let's, let's also be honest. They have spent a lot of money setting up tracking and tracing systems. They have, some schools have apps on your phone that alert you that you didn't do X, Y, Z. That's not going to go away. They've put that investment in. They've invested mm -hmm. in that infrastructure. They've invested in these systems and they're probably learning stuff right now about what's working and how they can use that moving forward to say, okay, let's make sure that we're doing the right thing. Now that idea, what are your thoughts on, are they going to require vaccines? I don't think you're going to see that for this fall. Okay. I just, I don't think they're going to be, have full FDA approval in time for the fall semester. If they do, 
I think it would also be unlikely for an individual campus to require something like Mm -hmm. in Massachusetts, where we live and where I work, campuses follow the Commonwealth of Massachusetts requirements for higher education. Yep. They don't have plans to require it yet. Do I think they might in the future? Maybe, but it's hard to say. It would be, and it would be way out of pocket for colleges to require it of their employees. That would be real. Just like they don't do that for anything usually, unless you are, the exception is like, if you work on a campus or if your student goes to school on a campus where there are students or employees working in a medical, like a clinical capacity, they sometimes have required vaccines for their safety and the safety Mm -hmm. of the patients they're working with. It's not really typical for a workplace. That's like you go sit in an office to require a vaccine from you. That's that would be unprecedented. And, and I think you bring up a really good point. And I think what people have to realize is that it's not just the school. The state is going to have certain rules. If it's a public school versus a private, there's going to be all these other layers to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you need to, as a family, make some decisions about what's important to you to get on with what's a normal life for you. And, you know, I'm literally like, wait, I have signed up for every opportunity to get a leftover vaccine. Like uh, text me, I will literally drive to wherever in 20, you know, if we're in the middle of taping this and I get a text, Dave, done, I'm out because we're going to go get that vaccine. But, but in all seriousness, it, it is about, there is nothing more important to me right now than to get back to a life where I can actually see and be around people and live my life. And without the vaccine, it's going to be harder to do that. And living on a college campus, part of the thing that you pay for to be in a residential college environment is actually being able to live your life and being able to bond with other students, go to athletic events, hang out at, you know, your, your traditional spring. Like I literally was thinking about like right now we would be planning for spring weekend or something like that happening in the springtime on these campuses. And Mm -hmm. those are not happening right now. And those are where memories are made. And we know those things are too important. And that idea of why skimp on that experience when you know you can do it and you can do it healthy? And Beth's saying, you know, about mitigation, about that was a great point bringing up about birth control. I remember in the 80s when I was, you know, just going off to college and the AIDS epidemic was a big thing. And this whole no, 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 no. And then soon they pivoted and it's like, this is safer sex. And this Mm -hmm. is how to do this in a way that you can be safer. Instead of going from the no to the, here's how you do this in a safe way, in a safer way, it changed, it was a game changer and it changed how people thought about how you engage. And we do that. We do it. So like, I'm glad you brought that up because we do it so much better in other ways, but there are other things like I thought of where I said, yes, this is exactly why the, you can't smoke pot. You cannot drink. You cannot, (laughs) that message just flies in the face of like, I would always say to students and their parents at orientation, if you go to another school and they say, no one on this campus drinks or smokes because we don't allow it, they're full of shit. Like nobody (laughs) does that. Okay. That is not how it actually works. And so this idea of like, nobody in this family is going to get a vaccine because we don't believe that this impacts us is 
is selfish and idiotic, but also on the other side of you can't live your life unless you get a vaccine. But even there, the messaging up until a couple days ago has been, and you will never be able to take a mask off. It's like, no, that's not actually <laughs> what's going to end up yeah. happening. And I think another thing to think of, and there may, there may be people listening who, you know, are feeling hesitant or feeling concerned about, you know, should I get this vaccine? Is it a good idea? There is a lot of history and current issues in our country in terms of how the medical establishment, how the healthcare system treats certain groups of people, specifically black, again, black people, indigenous people, people, all kinds of different, again, minoritized groups have had situations where they try to go get medical care and they are denied care. They are told that their pain isn't real. They are told like, you want painkillers because you're drug seeking where did, you know, all, all kinds of abuses. Right. And so there are certainly people who are quote unquote hesitant about the vaccine because they have unfortunately bought into a bunch of misinformation. Mm -hmm. There are also people that are rightfully skeptical. Yes. I'm hopeful. And again, I will not go further into that because again, other shows are doing it with much more expertise and much better to talk about, you know, how to maybe if there's someone in your life, who's hesitant, how to speak to them in a really respectful and curious way, which is, I think the way to do it really briefly is that's the advice I would give to ask questions and just be like, well, tell me why, what's going on there. You know, what kinds of things have you heard and try to bring some empathy to that sort of conversation. But I do think a lot of people are not necessarily in the, I would never category. Yes. They might be in the, I'm not so sure. I'm scared. Or I'm thinking I'm about it. Yeah. No. And I get that. And I appreciate that. You know, we've talked a little bit about the risk mitigation and that sort of thing. I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about, I've heard from many people that their kid was tested positive for COVID while they were on mm-hmm. campus. And what is that going to look like long-term? And, you know, one of the things that I've heard from folks is that some of these kids have been what we call a COVID foggy mind, that idea of, again, and Beth brings up some podcasts that are out there about COVID. Mine, my favorite podcast about COVID is in the bubble. I'm a big fan of that one. But I think that, you know, from what I've been saying to people who come back and say that their kid is just not learning and not mm-hmm taking in information the way they once did. And this is not a student who ever had an IEP or any kind of accommodations and there's something going on. I actually say to them, first and foremost, go to the, you should have your child go to whatever academic support center is on your campus and lay it out for them. Have, and have the student do this. This is not you to do it. They know they're learning. They know their foggy mind right now or whatever the issues are that they're dealing with. For some of these kids, it may be the Zoom reality that they're just Zoom tired and they can't focus anymore and it's having that. But we don't know what the long-term impact of COVID is. We don't have that information yet. But I think if I was in a seat where I was working with a student, I would say, you need to start to go to the support center, get the supports you need. That may mean tutoring. That may mean some other um, services that they may provide. But if those things are not working for you, at least we have a track record. And at that point, you may need to see a specialist who may give you some other advice. Beth, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's really good advice. I also think even beyond if your student 
is perhaps, you know, had COVID and is experiencing lingering symptoms that are making it difficult for them to engage with academic work. I think everyone needs to step back and have a lot of compassion for themselves and for others after this past year. I think that it is not even reasonable for us to think about this past year as one in which anyone learned anything normal. <laughs> like, and this is a big, I have a school-aged child as do you. So you yep. know what that debate has been yep. like too. And I think that, I mean, the irony to me is uh, a couple months ago, I was asked by another institution to come and do a training about coping with stress during the pandemic for their faculty. And I was like, I don't think I'm really coping with my stress, but okay. I am not ready to have this go, conversation. Yeah. Like go off, I guess, I guess I'll pretend I know what I'm talking about, but which I did, I was, I can give you advice. I'm not doing any of this. I'm just freaking out all the time, but you know, maybe if you try this, it'll make your life better. Good have luck. Have you seen my lifetime supply of yeah. dark chocolate that I keep it real? So I just think that in any conversation you're having with your student, remember that like this was a year that for some families included death Mm -hmm. and included loss of jobs and included illness and included maybe in some cases illness that might leave lead to lifelong consequences. And yes, their education at college is very important. Yes. It's expensive. Yes. There are things that, you know, it's going to be difficult to maybe reconcile, you know, what it's going to look like now and maybe difficult to come back from, but adjusting to whatever is next is going to be really challenging for everyone. And I think it doesn't serve anyone to measure ourselves or our students against the standards of last year at this time, before it all started. I've read some stories about institutions like faculty using software during exams to like make sure the students aren't looking away from the screen for too long Yeah, to make sure they're not cheating. All kinds of other just atrocious garbage. Yeah. Sorry, calling you out if you're doing that because no, I think that's gross. And, and I <laughs> agree with you wholeheartedly. It's just, it's like when we could have had a year when everyone kind of said, wait, what if the way that we expect everyone, whether it's students or employees to do, to be on all the time and produce, right. what if we took this year to realize that's terrible yeah. and instead some places really leaned into, no, we're going to surveil them and yeah. <laughs> make sure they're still on all the time. It's, it's very sad. Yeah. So I, I think an overall message of like, check in with your kid, whether they've been sick or not they are probably struggling with something as we all are. Mm-hmm. And I think being real, I think being honest with them about your own struggles as much yeah. as you're comfortable as their parent to say like, I, I too am not okay. Mm-hmm. Like this is not, I am not having well, a good and, year and either. I too don't think I, I may have achieved everything I wanted to achieve in a normal year. Forget what my aspirational goals were in the last year. It's mm-hmm. absolutely fine for us to be vulnerable right now. I, I think it's also perfectly fine right now is a great time to start thinking about possibility. And with the vaccine coming down the pike and people, more and more people getting vaccinated, what are some of the things that our kids could be thinking about doing at college? I think one of the things we could be doing is thinking about possibility and opportunity. And I think an area that people can really start to focus on regardless if they're going to stay on their campus over the summer or stay home is internships. There are a lot of wonderful opportunities for internships and your kids can be getting information on that, obviously through a career and internship centers on your campuses, but 
now is the time to blow the opportunity door open because you could be getting some internships with places. Let's think about because these internships are happening through virtual opportunities, they could be doing it anywhere. And mm -hmm. I'm not just talking about the continental United States. You could be thinking about an international internship, or you could be doing some things where you are actually building your network in your field in a broader way and not have the limitations of having to move. I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of companies that are still out there and making sure that they are hiring these interns. And I'm really excited about that. And that is a great way to kind of change people's perspective about what they're seeing, what they're doing and what they're experiencing. Because even if you're on Zoom in your internship, which is in some ways not ideal, the idea that you are trying something new in a new environment and interacting with new people is a really great thing for these kids. And that is absolutely something students and their parents should be talking about. And I think the other thing is talking about summer and what summer is going to look like. If your kid says, even if they've been home all year and they say, hey, I want you to know I've applied for summer school and I think I want to go back to campus because they are offering an on-campus opportunity. If that is something you can handle financially, this might be a really good opportunity to do that because your student may need, I hate to call it this, but kind of like a, an on-ramp back onto mm -hmm. campus because especially if they've been home with you for this whole academic year or a significant part of it, it may be a good thing. And those are things that are actually going to change your kid and even your kind of perspective on what's going on right now. You want them to have something to look forward to and an internship or an on-campus academic or on-campus job in the summer is a change maker for some folks in terms of where they see themselves and also it could be an, you know, a mood booster. And so really think about what is the opportunities coming up, not just the limitations of what we're dealing with all the time. I think the takeaway here is just, you know, we have learned a lot in the past year. We still don't know everything that's coming. It is good to have things to look forward to, but we cannot expect that, you know, as of June, everything's no. going to be exactly the way it was in like February of 2020. I don't think that's realistic at all. No, I think some things are never going to be the same, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Something we've said since probably season one, episode one is like communicate with your student, yeah. talk with them about what you can do, what your family is willing to do, what's safe for you, what's the best choices for the family and also what opportunities they want and, you know, see where plans and compromises can be made. And you know, it's again, self-compassion, which is also not a thing I invented. Go Google that is really an important thing to start practicing, especially these days. We all need to give ourselves a moment and say, mm -hmm. you know what, we're doing our best in an absolute hellscape. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> like you got out of bed today. Great. If you didn't, also cool. Maybe your bed is really comfortable. Did you I don't zip know. up pants today? Because that's one step more than I did. I, <laughs> I haven't mean... worn pants with a zipper since <laughs> last February. <laughs> we all have. We all have choices. Okay. No, and... I am. <laughs> I am not lying to you. And I may never go back to pants with zippers. <laughs> I think zippers. I was being repressed, and I am okay with the with the legging lifestyle. Pants are dead. Long live pants. 
thank you everyone for joining us. You can check out all of our season one episodes wherever you get your podcasts. They're all there. Subscribe to Twin XL on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss any of our new content, which is coming. Again, please rate and review us if you enjoy the show. Check out pod617.com slash Twin XL to find out about how to become a sponsor. And just a reminder, as ever, that Twin XL is a production of Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts. And we want to give a special shout out and thank you to Dave Yaz, our producer. Yeah. Yay. More pod, less pants. <laughs> oh my God, it's your new slogan. That is awesome. I'll take it. Bumper stickers. <laughs> merch, merch, merch. <laughs> I'm actually serious. More pasta. More pasta.